I don't know whether all of you are familiar or not with the last verse of the Marine Hymn. The last phrase in the Marine Hymn. If the Army and the Navy ever land on heaven's shores, they will find the streets are guarded by United States Marines. I may not let some of you guys in. Wobbies and all that gave us such a hard time. So good to be with you on this day and celebrate this time and this occasion. I, um, I are you familiar with a little book by Ashley Brilliant? I may not be perfect, but parts of me are excellent. <laughs> well, it's a great book, and I love the title. I think it's very appropriate uh, for America. We're not perfect. And we hear a lot about that, and we're going to hear a lot about that during this year with the uh, elections taking place, and all of that's proper, and all of that's necessary. But sometimes in the deluge of negativism and even cynicism, we forget that parts of this country are excellent. We can all be better. Everything about this land can be better. But it is not all bad. Parts of it, many parts of it, are excellent. I got to uh, reminiscing some uh, this past week because my aunt, Carrie, my father's sister, was uh, a member of the Daughters of the American Revolution. In fact, she was president of the Texas chapter of the Daughters of the American Revolution and always wanted me and my brother to join the, the sons of the uh, American Revolution. We never, we never did that, although we have all of the literature and the forms and all. So about a week or so ago, I decided that I wanted to give my granddaughters and our daughter, Lisa, a membership in that organization. And uh, I thought that would be a nice thing to bequeath to Avery and to Julia, that uh, they at least qualify to be members of the Daughters of the American Revolution. So it sent me back to reading some of the things that my Aunt Carrie had compiled about uh, my forefathers, and in a sense, yours. For all of us in this room are the sons and daughters of immigrants. All of us in this room have coursing in our veins the blood of pioneers and patriots. This land was populated, established by people who came wanting freedom and justice, liberty, opportunity. My great-great-great-great-grandfather was Charles Wesley Bickley. My father, Charlie Fanning, was named for him. Charles Wesley Bickley 
was born in Williamsburg, Virginia in 1753 and was 23 years of age when they signed the Declaration of Independence. And he and his four brothers fought in the Revolutionary War. Five sons, one was killed and one was wounded. His great-grandfather, or his grandfather, came from England. He was a dissenter. He was Joseph Bickley, the son of Sir Francis Bickley, and he became a Methodist. And he left England because he wanted to worship God freely. And so he came to Williamsburg. And so you can see why his grandson was named Charles Wesley. Charles Wesley Bickley had a son who fought in the army in the War of 1812. The Bickleys left Virginia and moved to Indian Territory because they didn't want and didn't believe that they should be taxed to support a church that they didn't attend. And then they came to Texas. Two Bickleys fought in the Confederate Army. One was killed, one survived. My father fought in France in World War I, and I was in the military in World War II, and my brother in Korea. We're not technically a military family. Not any career military in our family. But I and you and we are the sons and daughters of patriots. You and I are the sons and daughters, the descendants of dissenters. People who were willing to pay a price to be free, to worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience. So I went back and did something. I hope you have, and if not, maybe this will encourage you, and if not, what I do here in these next few moments will at least remind you of our national roots. I want to read you a portion of the Declaration of Independence. Established, voted upon, as you know, on July the 4th, 1776, by the Continental Congress meeting in Philadelphia. When, in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God, underline that please, nature's God entitled them, a decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, underline that, their Creator, capital C, with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter it or to abolish it, 
and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them seem most likely to effect their safety and happiness. And then they list their grievances against the crown, one after the other. And then to the final paragraph. We, therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world, underline that, supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions do in the name and by authority of the good people of these colonies solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are and of right ought to be free and independent states that they are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved and that, as free and independent states, they have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, underline that, capital letters, divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Four times God is referred to in the Declaration of Independence. Four times as the God of nature in other words, God Almighty, as God the Creator, we are endowed by our Creator. We have been given, we are the created, we have been given certain blessings and gifts from the Creator, certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we appeal to the supreme judge of the world. And we rely upon divine providence. Four times. God, they recognized as the source of their existence. They recognized the existence of God. Creator. They recognize their dependence upon Almighty God. Supreme Judge. They recognize their accountability to God. Divine Providence. They recognize that God is to be their supporter, protector, defender, director, their guide. God Almighty, 
God the Creator, God the Supreme Judge, God the Divine Providential Leader of our land. I'm concerned, as you are, that God is being officially excluded from the affairs of this nation. Liberals and conservatives alike are upset at the closing out of God in public life by the Supreme Court. It kind of got lost in the recent rulings because some touched on such uh, emotional issues and were talked about a great deal, properly so, prayer in the schools and abortion, but one ruling by the Supreme Court went largely unnoticed. It must not go unnoticed. They ruled that a school teacher in Denver would not be allowed to have a Bible on his desk in the classroom. And that among the 200 books that he had on the bookshelf, one was the life of Jesus. That had to be removed. A book about the Greek gods was allowed to remain. That concerns me. It concerns me that in 1980 the Supreme Court said that you could not post the Ten Commandments in a classroom. The Ten Commandments are so general in some ways in the sense that they reflect the views and the opinions and the ideals and ideas of the major religions of the world that they could be presented in any classroom. So I have an idea. Just an idea. I feel for teachers trying to teach in public schools now with all of the pressures and the tensions and the turmoil why not do this? Why not post the Declaration of Independence and every day say, let's read it. And on that Declaration of Independence, underline God. Underline Creator. Underline Supreme Judge. Underline divine providence and say, young people, our forefathers look to God, the creator, the divine judge before whom we are all accountable, and the divine providential leadership of God is essential to this land. And see if the Supreme Court will outlaw the Declaration of Independence.
It's interesting that the Supreme Court is open with God save this. Is it noble court? Is that the word used? Honorable court. I'm going to pray that prayer too. They do need to be saved. God save them. From the kind of secularism that would rule God out of life and even the authors of the Declaration of Independence would not pass the Supreme Court litmus test in 1992. There's more religious freedom in Russia today than in the United States. And the people in Russia, with force, got control of their government. I believe that it is time for those of us in America who do not have to use force to reclaim our government. For the nation that was born on July the 4th, 1776 in Philadelphia needs to be born again. And born again with a recognition of the plurality, the pluralism in this nation, and the right for everyone to worship God according to the dictates of their own conscience, and the respect for people who are different, and even for those with whom we disagree and whom we consider wrong in terms of their own personal faith, that everyone ought to be able to worship God and express that faith in the public forum without fear of recrimination or punishment. So, they said that God, the Creator, was the author and had given to us and had bestowed upon us certain unalienable rights, and that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I want to talk about that for just a few moments. You know, when I was in, uh, in Russia in 1968 and in, and in all the countries of Eastern Europe that year except Bulgaria and Albania, they would not allow me to preach. In other words, I could not stand up in a pulpit, behind a pulpit. I could not take a Bible and get up and read a text and preach. I could not use the word sermon. I could not use the word preach. But they did say, you can stand as long as you do not stand in the pulpit. You can stand and you can bring greetings. And in the course of your greetings, you can bring greetings from the church in San Antonio, where our favorite hymn is Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Another one of our favorite hymns in San Antonio is Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. I couldn't hold the Bible, I couldn't quote the Bible, but they thought as long as you didn't stand behind the pulpit and open the book, and quote some scripture that you were not preaching. And so I would say, one of our deacons told me that his favorite verse of scripture was, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, and that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And it created no problems. They didn't call it a sermon. They called it greetings. I said, I bring greetings from God who loves you and gave himself for you. 
So if, if I were not allowed to use the Bible today, I could preach from the Declaration of Independence. God Almighty, God the Creator, God the Divine Judge, God the Divine Provider of all of our needs, and that He has come to give us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, friends, here's the sermon from the Declaration of Independence. Keep the order right. I believe one of the difficulties that was occurring in America today is due to the fact that we've reversed the order and we've put happiness first. Happiness first, liberty next, and life is the end result. That the supreme goal of my life is to be happy. That's the purpose for my existence, to be happy. And to be happy is the promise of my forefathers and the Declaration of Independence. And to be happy means that I have liberty to do anything that makes me happy. If it feels good, do it. If your thing is raping children, rape children. It's just my way. That's where I get my pleasure, my happiness. If I enjoy walking into the courthouse in Tarrant County and shooting four people, two of them killed, one a fine Christian member of Park City's Baptist Church, that's okay. That's what you feel like doing. If it makes you happy, do it. If it feels good, do it. And so in this land and the lives of many, liberty has degenerated into license. And freedom into anarchy, moral and otherwise. With the hope that somewhere down the way, I will find the meaning and fulfillment of life. No, my friends, you've got to begin with life. And life that comes from God, because life does not come from anyone else. We are given life by God. We are given new life by the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus Christ. And that new life is essential to a proper understanding of liberty. It is not freedom to do what you feel like doing. It is not the freedom to do what you want to be. It is the freedom to become all you can be. But it is freedom guided and directed and conditioned by the new life that has been given us by God Almighty, God the Creator, God the new Creator of life through Jesus Christ, God the Supreme Judge, to whom someday I am going to be accountable for my deeds done in the flesh. And then, as the result of new life, I will have... The freedom that Jesus Christ gives promised in the 8th chapter of the book of John in the 36th verse, If the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And there is no real freedom apart from the new life that Jesus Christ gives us. And individual lives based upon that fact. And corporate lives based upon that fact. Communities based upon that fact will then begin to pursue the kind of happiness that can only, only come out of a life lived under the direction and guidance of the divine providence of Almighty God. Get the order right. It's not pursuit of happiness, liberty, and life. It is life. 
God-given life. God-instilled life. God-created life. Liberty. God-directed liberty. God-blessed liberty. And then the pursuit of fullness and happiness. And on that July day, in 1776, those 56 men, think of that, 56 men changed the world. Think of the difference that has occurred in the world because of what they did. And because they said, we pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. And it cost them that. Fifty-six men who saw God as creator, God as life giver, God as author of freedom, God as supreme judge, God as the divine provider. Fifty. Six men changed the world. About five miles south of where you and I are worshiping today, if that far, five minutes drive at least on Sunday. In a church. It was a church. Like this is a church. A place where people worship God the Creator. God Almighty. God the Supreme Judge. Divine providence, God the provider, protector, defender, leader. 182 men in the Alamo. Didn't write the same words, but they made the same commitment. Their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor they put on the line. 182 men in San Antonio changed the world. Gave us a free state. Become a symbol all over the world for freedom-loving people. Now let me ask myself and you a question this morning. 182 men in San Antonio, 56 men in Philadelphia who were serious about their commitment to God and to freedom, to government of the people and by the people and for the people. Words that initially appeared in the foreword of Wycliffe's translation of the Bible into the English language. That's where those words originated. Read by Lincoln and others. 
But those words were in the foreword of a Bible for which a man gave his life, and even after he was dead, they dug his bones up and burned them and threw them in the river. If men and women were serious enough to do that and change the world, let me ask you a question. What could happen? My God, what could happen if 4,000 people who are going approximately so, who are going to worship in this place today, what would happen if we had the courage and the faith and the patriotism to God and country to do the same thing. To pledge our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Why doesn't somebody do something? I'm that somebody. You're that somebody. Do something. For God's sake, do something. Right. For God's sake, and your children's sake, and your grandchildren's sake, do something. Saints are people who do things, who pledge their lives, their fortunes, their sacred honor. The future, uncertain as it is right now, depends upon us today. God help us. And it will not be done unless now and forever from behind that flag shines the light of the living God. Turn it on. That's just a piece of cloth unless it represents liberty and justice for all because of the light. That's just a piece of cloth. Unless it represents creator, supreme judge, divine provider, the strength of this land and the stability of that flag and the future of America is dependent upon whether or not we keep that light burning so that we might keep that flag flying. For without the light, that flag and all that it represents will someday pass into the graveyard of nations if we forget God, creator, divine judge, providential, living God. Our forefathers didn't forget. 
We must not. God help us to do something.